Star of the Staff by A. Ellis Henneberger. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Winston Tharp. Morrison was about as likely a cub as ever drifted into the office of the Madison world with lofty ideas of the journalistic profession and a firm resolve some day to set the nation aflame. It is true that he was a little taken aback when after a month on probation he was placed on the salary list at ten dollars a week. But he had read somewhere that Dana was once a city editor at little more, and he took courage. Duffy, the managing editor, told him he was to be congratulated on getting any salary at all in so short a time. Why, on the New York blank, he told Morrison, college students serve six months without pay, and are glad for the opportunity. Anyway, you haven't caught the world's style. Watch Sneed's articles, and you'll get a line on what we want. Sneed was the star of the staff, and Morrison always regarded him enviously as he came in from an assignment and tore off reams of stuff. It was a bleak day in January. A heavy snow had fallen, blockading the car lines and putting business to the bat all over town. Sneed tramped into the office with the police reports, which he threw in a heap on Duffy's desk for inspection, and settled himself to write an article on East Side Distress. Duffy glanced the reports through and entered the various assignments in his book. This completed, the reporters came forward to receive instructions for the day. "'You, Morrison,' he said, "'look up this distress case. Take it down.' Mrs. Edith M. Lindemann, 1125 Calvert Street, two children, without food, two days. Here's an order on the cashier. Buy her food and wood if she needs it, and write a half column, sure. Morrison sallied forth that morning, armed with the office currency, and fought his way through the snowdrifts toward the east side. It was a peculiarity of the town that, one might find wealth and squalor side by side even in what was known as the exclusive section. But it must be confessed that Morrison was somewhat nonplussed when he read the number 1125 on the door of a veritable mansion. Here's the devil to pay, thought the reporter as he consulted his notes again. But there were the figures staring him in the face. A maid, neatly attired in cap and apron, answered his ring. Yes, Mrs. Lindemann lived here. And what was his business, please? He felt like a fool as he blurted it out. A mistake, of course, he finished with a laugh. Quite a natural one, though, said a quiet voice behind the maid. A woman, evidently the mistress, came forward. She was a strikingly handsome young woman, but her eyes were very sad. Marie, she continued, this gentleman, no doubt, is looking for that Italian family in the rear. I had no idea they were in such straits. It is the rear of 1125 you want. The maid will show you. Guided by Marie, Morrison entered an alleyway which emerged on another running just behind the Lindemann house. Ascending a flight of rickety steps, he brought up at the door of a squalid tenement. An hour later a grocery man and a wood dealer had relieved the immediate wants of the Sonatini family and Morrison, with two receipts made out to the world, was hurrying to the office to write the story of his life. Duffy was knee-deep in copy, but he liked that. He handled all the local, 
and kept the linotype operators crying for quarter most of the time. Morrison had finished his story and was off on another assignment. Sneed was grinding out a suicide with the usual tear trimmings. Duffy weeded out the copy rapidly, casting the slop, as he called it, right and left, and piling up the spicy matter for the regular two o'clock edition. Morrison's Sonatini story came in for rapid perusal and immediate disfavor. Damn that cub, muttered Duffy. Come on, Sneed, he called out. Cut that story off. I've got a good one for you. He caught up the assignment book. Take this down. Mrs. Edith M. Lindemann. Got that? 1125 Calvert Street. Two children. Husband missing. Starving. World sent supplies. Throw a good heart throb into it. Hey, Jimmy, to the office boy, tell the foreman these receipts go on the first page with story. Devin caps in box. Now hustle, Sneed. Tear off that as quick as you can. Morrison got it when he returned. Now look here, my boy, said Duffy. You've got to brace up. Get a little style into your stuff. That story of yours would be all very well on the news, for instance, but it won't go here. I had it rewritten. Here is the story as seen through Mr. Sneed's eyes. Morrison was deeply humiliated. He took the copy mechanically and returned to his desk. His glance fell on the manuscript. Interest, surprise, amazement gave place to suppressed but unholy mirth. Sneed's article read, Thank God, cried Mrs. Edith M. Lindemann of 1125 Calvert Street. My children will live. In a home made desolate by the desertion of a husband, with gaunt hunger stalking at the door, with two tots weak from want of the bare necessities of life, a reporter for the world appeared this morning, and in the twinkling of an eye that dreary abode was changed into a haven of comfort. It was a pathetic story that Mrs. Lindemann had to tell of a husband untrue to his vow to protect her, who had abandoned her in the heart of a cruel winter and left his family to its fate. Tears flowed down the woman's cheeks as she recited the story of his perfidy. God knows, she told the reporter, I was a good wife to him. There was more, about half a column more, of harrowing details, but Morrison had had enough. His mind was firmly made up. Walking to Duffy's desk, he laid down the copy. Very good indeed, Mr. Duffy, he said quietly, but if I could write like that, I wouldn't be working for you at ten dollars a week. Duffy grunted. For God's sake, Edith, what sort of a ghastly joke is this? Andrew K. Lindemann, broker and clubman, stood in the drawing room of his former home in Calvert Street. He flourished a copy of the world excitedly. The woman took it in silence. As she read the headlines, her face was a study. The idiots, she cried. Then the ridiculousness of the thing struck her, and she laughed outright. "'You didn't really think we were starving here, did you, Andrew?' she said when she had recovered her breath. "'And did you really care? Strange! I thought you had forgotten you had a wife or children.' And her eyes regarded him sorrowfully. "'That's right,' said the man bitterly. "'Blame it all on me!' "'It's the Sonatinis in the rear.' A reporter came here this morning, but I saw him myself. I can't imagine how the mistake occurred. Well, I'll have something to say over there in the morning. Goodbye. I'm going back to the hotel, Edith. 
The woman looked at him wistfully, but said nothing. He had almost reached the door when there was a shout, and two white-gowned tots rushed through the hall and were caught in their father's arms. "'Daddy, Daddy!' they cried in delight. "'You was going to stay, Daddy,' cried one curly head, "'cause Mama said you was when you came back.' "'Does Mama want me to stay, do you think, Mildred?' "'Oh, yes, Daddy. I heard Mama ask Dodd to send you home to her.' An instant later, Daddy was holding a half-faint but happy woman in his arms. Duffy was crushed. The business manager was wild. The entire town of Madison was in hysterics. Wilson, the business manager, had caught the edition, but only after some five thousand papers had reached the streets. "'Nobody but a blank, blank, blank fool would have made such a bull,' he stormed. "'Lindemann, a well-known broker. Wife lives in a palace. Footman, coachman, automobiles, and all that sort of thing. Why, it'll cost us ten thousand dollars even to compromise it. Didn't anybody in this damned office recognize the name? By gad, I'll cripple a staff. I'll discharge every man.' The telephone bell stopped him. Wilson was standing nearby, and he jerked the receiver off the hook. "'Eh?' "'Mr. Lindemann, what's that?' "'Oh, yes, I'll send him over right away. "'Mr. Lindemann, this is Wilson, business manager. "'I'm going to see you—' "'How?' "'Never mind.' "'I assure you, Mr.' "'All right, sir.' "'Duffy, get hold of that young Morrison "'and send him to Lindemann's office at once. "'Tell him to explain the whole business. "'We've got to throw ourselves on his mercy.' Give the story a two-column display, same place as the other, first edition. Gad, what a lot of fat heads! And Wilson withered the staff with his glance as he strode toward the elevator. An hour later, Morrison entered the office, smiling. It's all right, Mr. Duffy. Mr. Lindemann says for you people to rest easy. He won't sue. He's satisfied to let the matter drop. Oh, and by the way, Mr. Duffy, I've got to quit you. Sorry, too, but Mr. Lindemann has offered me a job. Just then the elevator stopped at the office floor. Morrison took it. Damn that cub, murmured Duffy. End of Star of the Staff by A. Ellis Hennyberger